You are listening to Completely Ordinary, a twice-weekly podcast from the edges of the bell curve and also today from the edges of sanity. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because I have three kids, one of whom um, started out the day screaming for half an hour and I've just this is one of you know it's just been a, a long string of days where I just feel like no more <laughs> I, I wonder you know why your your kids scream so much what are you saying I don't know I'm just wondering I had a daughter that was very quiet but I only had one kid yeah do you have one of those three kids that's quiet um at times, one of them is quiet. Yeah. <laughs> I just hear you say that they scream a lot, so I wonder what they're screaming about. Are they like, we want more food. We want yes, more human yeah, yeah. rights. Yeah, exactly. We want political freedom. He wanted, you know, they... he wanted a particular fork, and he wanted, that, he wanted Sarah to give him the fork. You're a monster. Yeah. You are a terrible parent. What'd you do? Deny him the fork? No, no, no. We, we we arranged to get him the fork, but then he wanted he wanted Sarah to give him the fork. But then it, we who gave him the who gave him the fork? You? Uh, his, his sister gave him the fork. Unacceptable. And Mom's got to give him. The yeah, fork. we didn't understand. It was hard to understand what he wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. It's like kids, man. They're just like, they're, they're uh, an amazing reminder of where we are in our own lives. I, I, I don't they know. They really show us <laughs> why things are the way they are. I can't, I don't know. They show you that apparently. No, they don't show me that. They confuse the hell out of me. And maybe that's what you mean. Yes. yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, why can't your sister give you the fork? No, it has to be mom. And if not, I will lose it. And we do the same thing. We are just like that child. I'm, I'm absolutely like that. That's what I realize all the time. It's like, we just think our reasons are better than the child's. It's more well, logical. No, it's more like it, well, there's that, and there's also I'm I'm not I'm not I don't actually believe that anymore at all. I don't think my reasons are any better. My reasons are just as confusing and idiotic as as I need that particular fork and I need a particular person to give it to me. But which is not to say that he's wrong. He's I don't, I don't think he's wrong at all. I think he's right. He's he has to be right because he's because that's what that was his authentic expression but insane nonetheless and uh to the only the only difference that i perceive really between me and them is that they they are um i i think it's because my kids this is my this is what i tell myself i think it's because they don't um you know we don't beat them we don't send them to school Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so they, they have, uh, you know, we've always like, we sleep in the same room. They slept in the same bed with us until they wanted to have their own beds. And, um, so I think 
they have a, they're more comfortable expressing themselves in that way mm-hmm. uh, than they might than I was at that age because at that I, I mean I had a hell of a temper. I remember when I was a kid, I would just I remember that, that I spent most of my childhood most of my memories of my childhood I was hot I was like red in the face because I was just so angry at everything i was like what you know how why you know what's wrong with you you won't get me this goldfish i need the fucking goldfish i mean i remember about it i remember because they it was like we went to the mall we went into the pet store and the the pet store they gave me a little wooden nickel i mean it's like a whole it's like it's it's really sleazy on their part you know like they do this they're like hey look here's a little wooden nickel you get turn this in we'll give you a free fish and i was like Awesome! I'm gonna. Oh, you froze. Fish, and they said, "No, you're not." <laughs> we lost you for a second, Joe. Your connection was unstable. Connection was unstable, but it seems to have resumed. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that was that was most of my childhood. But I was, um, I think, as expressive as I was, I was less expressive than my kids, and I think that was because I had more fear of what would happen if hmm. I, if I was not, if I didn't get my shit in line. I, you know, obviously I've said this before. Um, I have not been the perfect parent and I don't think I should be giving advice to anyone about anything probably. And what I do notice because I grew up in Asheville and it had a lot of people. And I don't know if you're like this or if I'm just, you know, I'm being inspired by your story as I have a lot of friends or had a lot of friends till my divorce. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you're about to give me parenting advice. Yeah. No, 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 I'm not. I'm going to give you a parenting observation that yeah. I learned. I had a lot of like what I would consider very liberal hippie vegan friends mm-hmm. that you, I don't think you're vegan, right. but that they would let their kid, do whatever the kid wanted and then that kid you know some of those kids turned out okay some of those other kids were horrible people to be around and they were like i want to kill you and you're like you're like a child and i could beat the living crap out of you right now you're not going to stick that fork in my leg mm-hmm. like i wish you were dead and they're like jimmy that's okay you can say that because that's what the way you really feel but is there another way that you can, you know, stuff like that. And I don't think that there's, it's like we're trying to deal with a bunch of Tasmanian devils and nothing that we do really gets at the heart of the matter. Well, but this is okay, but that, that's all, that's fine. And I agree with that more or less sort of, but the, um, but come, thank you for bringing it back around. Cause what I, the point I was trying to make is, yes, that that's still my experience. I still have that experience sometimes where there's I like I'm in the I'm you know I'm like behind somebody in line and they're you want to kill doing yeah and I'm like what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm gonna yeah. kill you. Like that's how I feel. Right. And and um, the things little kids are maybe more honest if they're not beat or. That's what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying is that civilized. Yeah, you're talking when you you mentioned the difference, and I was saying, well, the difference isn't in the 
like I don't value my uh, my opinions or my preferences more than theirs. I think that mine are no, more yeah. justified. I just notice that they more freely express themselves, and I'm more repressed because. And then I'm not not suggesting that life would be better, and that we all should walk around ex- like just giving voice to the what we're feeling necessarily. Because I don't know that that'd be better. Although I will say things have swung so far in the opposite direction that um, that that people are, I, I notice people are extremely sensitive, myself included, mm-hmm. to anytime anybody says anything, you know, like. You can't say that. You can't say that. That's not okay. You can't yep. say that. I'm offended. I'm, you've offended me. I, and I kids an, say way worse things. I know, but we forgive the kids because we're like, ah, oh, it's just a kid. Or we beat the living snot out of them. Well, yeah. And and, Which, and I, I think that there's, I don't know if there is a way to balance that because who knows, every kid is so different and every kid has its own agenda and every kid has its own little insane asylum that it lives in. Yeah. And, but I remember having these friends that had these kids and the kids would do like whatever they wanted, Mm -hmm. you know, and they would boss the parents around and like I had, and it was funny because the women in that group that I was friends with, were more allowing of that kind of, I want tofu and I want to stick it up Jimmy's nose, you know, stuff <laughs> like that. And it's like, and then the kid would have like tofu in his nose and he's like, I don't want, I want to eat with my feet today. And it's like, they would let that kid do that, mm-hmm. you know? And that kid was just like, not that fun to be around. And like the fathers that I was friends with were like, this is like they were like always getting high or drunk and they were like i can't deal with this anymore if i can't do whatever he wants he's worn his underwear three times on his head i'm gonna fucking kill myself people were so and that's what i'm saying it's like it's so we're such fundamentalists in every aspect it's like we don't know how to temper anything no it's either we let the kid have everything or what? Or we let the kid have nothing. Or well, even in the balance, where we let the kid have some things, then yeah. like there's one aspect where you're like, uh, you shouldn't tell that to a kid, or you shouldn't. Act. And it's like we have no way of really. Like I feel like I got very, very lucky. Like my daughter seemed to be the most civil of the three of us living in that house. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that's a dynamic that can occur. And I was like, wow, this kid has her shit together way more than I have my shit together and more than my ex-wife. Yeah. And of course, every child has its moments. Like every Mm -hmm. person, there wasn't a perfect child, but I've just, you know, and I had friends that, you know, were very strict with their kids and Mm -hmm. said, you don't do that and you don't do this. And, there isn't an answer. There no. isn't a fix. Yeah. But there does seem to be something on that end of that, that hippie vegan thing that I saw that I was like, this is kind of crazy too. Well, I yeah, absolutely. I think that what happens is that I mean it's like I'm not I'm obviously not the first to make this observation. I think hmm. many people make this observation that we 
we reject whatever our parents did or the yeah. whatever we came from and we say that was really fucked up so i'm not going to do that and then we end up we because we take another we the essence of whatever approach we take is still fundamentalist it's a reaction to something else mm-hmm. so it ends up being more insanity mm-hmm. but um but i think what you said you know we have the sort of inability to temper any of it and i think the, the that inability is not because we're failing in some way like we should know how to do that i think i think that inability is maybe just innate because it's like what the hell you there's no there doesn't seem to be a right answer you know you can cling to like oh this is the right way because this is what my church said or this is what uh i mean you know we can we can also um what's the word i'm looking for handing of the word but we can sort of romanticize uh some some sort of uh you know the past we can say we can say oh well you know a, a thousand years ago all the the people in the amazon boy they really had that shit figured out mm-hmm. and it all went south after you know europeans arrived and they fucked everything over yeah yeah of course but i don't know how we would know that either yeah i just think that if if little Jimmy comes up to me and says, my mom and dad think you're crazy and you'll be divorced soon and you've probably got a drug problem, I'd be like, you know, maybe you should tell your kid not to say that. Well, if you don't want your kid to say something, maybe you shouldn't say it to your kid. <laughs> That's, that seems That's a be- good... I don't know. I don't know because... Because you really want to teach kids to to censor themselves in that way like it can be helpful to you learn. Can, i'd rather oh. see like a little seven-year-old kid come up to me and be like dude it seems like you've got a lot of drama going on and you <laughs> calm the fuck down <laughs> then and that seems more accurate yeah than like you know you find out the gossip that your supposed friends I know, yeah. but it's it, what's so beautiful about it is. But that I like it, that it's kind of funny. It, it reveals it just reveals the dysfunction of our of everything. You know, I it's know like, it's kind of funny. You want to just make it all neat and tidy. You're like, you know, you want to just oh, say yeah. to those parents, well, "You're fucking this up." This, you got to tell Jimmy not to do that. But actually, but I kind of like that too. I like it when I go somewhere like a grocery store or something, and you see a mom just completely like. She's at the point where she can no longer take it and she just fucking goes ape shit. And I feel sorry for that kid, but I'm like, this is so fucking sweet. This is like watching a beautiful sunset. I, yeah, I mean, it's great because, um, because we all feel that way. I guess. Oh my God. I see yeah. that. It's, it's, I mean, my, my kids are, are hell on wheels. And I know sometimes, you know, sometimes get, we get looks. And we've even had some people say some things. And it's so easy to think, oh, yeah, everybody else really, like, we're really fucking up and everybody else has their shit together. But then, but then you know, you have those moments with, with some other parent who you're, you know, you're hanging out with them. Mm-hmm. And they're like, God damn, you know, the shit that goes down. And or, or those moments when you're in public and you just see something, like, blowing up like that. And... And then you feel kind of like, wow, I guess I'm not doing that bad. Exactly. Yeah. Cause I mean, I definitely, you know, they're, they're like, one, this was a, maybe a year ago, 
um, I was still like, I still am fearful of taking my two older kids to the store um, at all. Although it's gotten a, a bit better, but there was <laughs> a year ago, there was, we had this one episode and we went to Trader Joe's and uh, it was one of the, it was like, it was a busy day at Trader Joe's. I mean, all the lines were going down the aisles and it was just yeah, crazy. And I'm trying to navigate all of this to get, I don't even remember what, I had a list. I had a list of things that I was supposed to get. And I'm going down the aisles trying to get everything. And my kids are just going ape shit. I mean, they're just like running, grabbing stuff. And, you know, when that, we, you know, we can have the talk beforehand, before we go in. You know, it's like, <laughs> this is how it's going to be. <laughs> right? I'm like, just, that just stay, stay with me. Stay with the cart. Don't grab anything. Yeah. Don't push the cart into the into the aisles. Don't push it into people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and this but, is going to be okay. And we can have that talk. And nine times out of ten, it goes well. And I can remind them. You know, they start getting. They're like, "Ooh, look, let's go grab stuff." And I'm like, "Remember, we're just going to stay with the cart, no grabbing stuff." And they're like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah." But but this time, nothing, nothing was working. You know, it was just. I'm like, "What is going on?" Yeah. What, what are you doing? You know, they're like grabbing pineapple juice and putting it. Uh, like That's got a out. lot of sugar in it. I would not <laughs> kids that. No, but I mean, I don't care about that. It's like they're throwing it around. I'm like, what? What are you doing? What is this? And at one, and finally, I was just like, abandon ship, abandon ship. I just, I'm just, I picked them up, left the cart, and I walked out. It's like this ain't happening. I'm this is not happening. I can't do this. We gotta go. <laughs> and I've seen other parents at that point. I've seen this happening. And thank God, you know, when I did it, they weren't like I didn't have to like it was more I was more like sort of coercively walking them, you know, like Yeah, yeah. You were like and, picking them up and they're like kicking and screaming like <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I've seen that happen. That's when that's that's that moment for me when I'm like, oh, I'm not doing so bad because I've seen people I know. walking out of the store and the kids are like, ah, I need I know, the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's, I I mean, my daughter would be the one having to talk to me before we. <laughs> She'd be yeah. like, Dad, like. And she's like probably like ten or twelve years old. And be like, Dad, when you go to this place, you can't just say what you think. And I'd yeah. be like, Oh, okay, so <laughs> you know, and that that would be, you know, my daughter kind of parenting me. And then, you gosh, I think she did a good job with me. I think I turned out pretty good. Yeah, you get you get out of the car, and yeah. the, right right next to you, an old lady pulls up, and she gets out, and you just lose your shit. Like, what what are you doing, you old old yeah. bag? You're not yeah. supposed to be driving. You're a dangerous right. society. <laughs> right. And then my daughter would just shake her hand. She's like, sorry, we're doing the best we can with him. We've got him on his <laughs> on his parent leash and, you know, trying to do the best. So this is the episode, volume two, yeah, part two of Sex and Pornography. Yeah. And, you know, what we're here to do is really to have sex to have kids, which is a, you know, this conversation that we're having and and hopefully the reason not, why we have sex is supposedly to have kids but it seems like a lot of us do it to feel good 
I, yeah, because because there's something nice about it. Yeah. So we because we, you're not having kids. Hell no! I got clipped, dog. Yeah. <laughs> but you still brother got neutered. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I still have sex, and sex has changed a lot for me in the last definitely in the last few years, definitely in the last five years, and definitely a lot different than the last 20 years, Mm -hmm. you know? But I did see in my own life that I pay attention to now, I've always been kind of a serial monogamist, even though I have not always been faithful. Mm -hmm. I like, like having a relationship. I like there's something safe about it. There's something... Um, comforting to me about having this one person that you can share your life with and share your, even your secrets with and your shame with and, and all of that. And I think when you do that, well, when you do that, and I think there is a way to do that. Well, Mm -hmm. Um, I think when you do that, that does make life that much sweeter. And it does also give you the opportunity to have better sex, which I think is a symbol in my own life sex to me seems to be like some sort of symbol or some sort of measure of what the relationship is going through and expressing. I think it's a great litmus test, you know, in my own personal life. I'm not saying this is a proclamation for everybody and that you have to use sex as some sort of litmus test, but I think sex can act in that way, an indicator of where you are in your relationship with your partner. So it's interesting because you're, um, as we all are, I imagine um, mm. a product of your culture and there are sure. cultures, which I find very interesting. Um, there are cultures that are, uh, I don't know if the, I don't, I don't actually know what the distinction is b- between polygamy and polyamory. Do you know? Um, I know that they're spelled differently and yeah. polygamy I think is when when you're when you're married to several okay. people and then okay. polyamory is when you're just it's kind of like an open door policy there's no really like there's no paperwork okay i think well, but you know obviously based on those definitions, somebody that's going to disagree with that there, uh, and some people will probably disagree violently as a matter of fact right. yeah I hope but I um <clears throat> but anyway based on that definition which we'll go with we'll just run with that yeah uh, there okay. are some cultures that are polygamous which i find to be interesting and uh because Sarah read, you're you're a freak. Yeah, Sarah read some books by this woman named Subonfu Some. She's from, I don't remember, <laughs> somewhere I think in West Africa. That makes sense. And um, and she said that uh, um, in her culture that uh, marriages are arranged. But then, uh, but then, and I didn't, I didn't read the book, so I'm, I'm not, I don't really understand the details. I'm curious about how exactly how this works. But anyway, some marriages are arranged and then um, additional spouses may be added to the marriage. And the way that uh, they're, they're, the way that it works, she said, is that, um, that, the uh, man gets to decide if there's going to be an additional husband and the, well, he gets to initiate that. I mean, they would both have, to, everybody would have to agree, obviously, but um, he, the, 
a man would get to initiate adding another husband, a woman would get to initiate adding another wife to the marriage. That seems like this seems to work for them. Yeah, um, I I think it's interesting. I've I've definitely, and I've had three, maybe three marriages that have failed, or two that have failed, and one that I'm in that doesn't seem like it's going to fail, but who knows. Um, The first marriage that I was in, I was with this woman. She was actually murdered after we got divorced um, violently, but we were together for about two years and then we brought another woman into our relationship right at the very end and she was a stripper and it was a very um it was it was like the way i imagine people that have like where i've heard people have like kids to save a marriage it was like let's bring a stripper in to save the marriage you know, and, <laughs> and it didn't work out. No, that um, doesn't sound like that's a good idea at all. Right. It didn't work <laughs> out surprisingly, which is weird, but. I, I think it makes, see, I think it makes things more complicated. And I think having kids makes things more complicated too. I think. Um, that's why I think this relationship that I'm in now, because all of our kids are grown up. I realize that yeah. with my previous wife, I guess my second wife we never really had time for each other. There was no, there was no time. And we just had one kid and a pretty easy kid at that, but we really couldn't dedicate the time to, to have this kind of ease Mm -hmm. to really get to know each other. Like we knew each other and, but we were so stressed out by just making money, making dinner, making sure the kid gets to school, make sure this happens, make sure this happens. It's like, And, you know, we both, I think, you know, I wanted maybe to make it work more than she did. Who knows? There's no way of determining that. There's no way of, (laughs) but, you know, you know, I'd be like, oh, let's make time for each other. And, you know, she couldn't, or if she did, then I would do something to sabotage that. So it was a very messy situation, Mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of it, like I realize now, this is the first time that I'm with somebody in a relationship and that I actually know the person and have time to, to like, there's a space around that. And I don't know if I had another person, like, let's say we brought another stripper into the relationship or, you know, an ex stripper or something like that. I don't know if we have the time to get to know each other. I really like the intimacy and the amount of attention that I could put on this relationship because not only do I learn great things about myself, but I learn great things about the person that I'm sharing my life with. It's really nice. Well, it's, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, uh, you know, I mean, I guess you could say I'm also a serial monogamist. Yeah. And I, 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 there, I've I've actually never had the experience of having uh, a, a polyamorous relationship. Yeah. So I, um, well, at least not one that I was in, in where I got to be involved. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. But, um, but, uh, bless your heart. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, the, the, uh, so I don't know what that experience is like, but yeah. I, I can certainly see the, um, that there are positives 
if, if I want to call it positives. There are things I like, yeah. things that seem to be, um, there's a certain richness to having that kind of monogamous relationship. Right. But not knowing what the alternatives are like, I can't really compare it. Yeah, I don't, you know, and from what all I know about polyamorous relationship in the short stint that I had in my own life, it's always some sort of, I don't, because I think culturally we're talking about two different things. I think a culture like this culture that we live in, which is mostly, not all, of course, please don't start sending me emails. Um, there are mostly, it's a monogamous relationship. It's enculturated in us. There are many things that you watch on American television or even on a, you know, what is called Western media. Most of it is for a monogamous audience, for an audience that believes that that has value. Yeah. In my own life, I think that monogamy serves two things. One, it, it feeds a type of insecurity, but it yeah. also gives us the opportunity to really make a commitment not to really the other even though we do make a commitment to the other person we make a commitment to ourselves to to learn about ourselves through relationship with another person and it has to happen in a monogamous way in order to to kind of go through the difficulty of it because if you don't have that agreement it's like you know what you're not into this anymore i'm out i'm gonna go you know bang out somebody else or I'm going to go be with this guy or I'm going to go be with this lady. And you know, that's the way it plays itself out. Mm -hmm. So I think there is something kind of deep about monogamy where you kind of come to learn. I just want to, I just want to, I want to make sure I heard the words you said, you're going to bang out another person. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I mean, that's the way it is right. In, In the culture that I grew up in, people are just like fucking like it's not even like lovemaking it's not even it's just like you're just coming you're just like gyrating inside of something and that's it it's like i just want to fuck and grab things and squeeze things and that's it that's the culture that i that i mostly immerse myself in Mm -hmm. being part of the you know tattoo culture i don't have a lot of people saying i made love to my wife or I'm making this intimate connection with my wife. I don't have a lot of those conversations. Most people, the way they talk about it is banging it out, squeezing this, coming on that. And, and the person and their emotions and that is far off in the distance. It's more of like, you know, like having a junk food fest versus eating a nice healthy meal. <laughs> that might have some long-term effects to your health. So yes, I did say the word banging out. I don't bang out. Well, know. okay. I'm, I wasn't making a judgment. I just want to no, make no, sure. No, no, I'm I saying, I, I, I mean, I, I, maybe part of what I do is banging out because at yeah. the end you are moving your hips in and out and it is kind of like you're banging something with your hips. <laughs> so that does happen. But yeah. what I think is interesting about it is that there, you can have that aspect to it where it's just physical or objectifying, maybe you like a part a part of your partner's body that is really turns you on. I see nothing wrong in that, but it is that you still see the person beyond that. And there are sometimes mm-hmm. that that people can't. They can't see. Like I have several friends that are 
not friends, I guess, acquaintances. They're not really friends, but they're with these gorgeous women, you know, and they have these amazing bodies and they just look like supermodels. But when you spend any time with them, it's not somebody that you really want to spend a lot of time with. It's not Mm -hmm. pleasant to be around. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine that a lot of that reason is because of the physicality of the person. Because when that person's not around, you don't see that redeeming quality that that would keep somebody in a relationship. They're, they're complaining about them and they're, you know, saying this and that. And it's like, well, and I'm only coming from the outside. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is just an objectifying of that person. And that's why you're with them. You know, I can't speak on that. It just looks like that from the outside. Mm-hmm. But I think that we can in an intimate way, really appreciate a part of our partners Mm-hmm. you know and say i really like your butt or i like your boobs or i like your eyes or i like your lips or your hands or whatever and there's nothing wrong with that i think it's when we throw once again like everything else in the society the baby out with the bathwater, as they say mm-hmm. that you forget that there's a person there that has feelings emotions requires attentiveness consideration <laughs> you know there's a full human being just like what you want is what you want that person also has that well, yeah, I mean, if, if, if and uh, the, to me, the, because um, I, I, I know, well, not presently, but I have known um, men who, they, they, um, they, they sort of dispose of one woman yeah. after a number of years, yeah. you know, yeah. after, like, basically after she gets a little older. Right, and then go move on to another younger woman. Yes, so they're always just sort of with you know the twenty something, thirty something. I know, and um, I see you know whatever. I mean, I I can't know that that's right or wrong. I'm not making that judgment because I just don't know. But I do see that there's if you're if a person has an interest in having. whatever benefits might come from a long-term relationship with, with an actual person, Mm -hmm. not just with their body, then um, like, you know, to, to appreciate uh, things about physical aspects of a person's body is fine. But if, uh, if you're enamor, enamorment, I don't know if that's the right word, but if you're, if you're, but if that, if that depends upon, those qualities or features of a person's body, then it just sort of seems obvious that that's not lasting, right? Because that, because bodies change. I mean, my body is very different from what it was 10 years ago or 15 years ago. And yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't, I look, I, I don't know of any, Although oddly, I, I this is really weird. I, I came across some YouTube video of Priscilla Presley. Uh, is that Elvis Elvis, Presley's Elvis's daughter? wife. Oh, wife, wife, wife. Yeah, and and I was it. It wasn't a. It was. It was a fairly recent video. I mean, it was. It was from post two thousand. You know, so she's had to have been. I don't know. She had to have been. A, a bit older, you know, like over fifty, uh, in the video. But I, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking at. It and I'm like, 
Priscilla Presley. Like, is that his daughter? Because, you know, I'm like, no, it's not his daughter. His daughter, I couldn't think of his daughter's name, but it's like, that's not, that's not his daughter's name. What? And that's not what his daughter looks like. And I was like, there's this weird thing. I'm like, what? she looks so young. How could that be? I think, I think a lot of, she had a lot of, must have had a lot of work done. I'm thinking about so, getting some work done myself. Yeah. So, so, so I guess some, so I guess there are some exceptions, but you see a lot of that happening, right? You know, there's people feel that in order to be lovable, they have to maintain a youthful appearance. Well, I mean, and that I think, of course, is according to everybody's, you know, I don't, you know, obviously I have a little bit of a weight problem, but not something that would be considered massive. But I also don't, you know, for my partner, for myself, I do try to maintain somewhat a certain weight class, you could say. Because, you know, it's not, first of all, it's not comfortable being heavy, but it's also, you know, you don't want to, at least, and and I know, I have friends that that they're dating people that are heavy and they like them. And I like maybe a fuller woman than a skinnier woman. But I mean, you know, everybody has their own preferences. Mm-hmm. and. I think that there, if if you take pride in your appearance and you want to kind of make your partner find you attractive and exercising does that for you, I don't think that there's anything wrong in that. Obviously, naturally, no matter how much I exercise, this body's going to age and it's going to yeah. do things that well, that's you not want it to yeah, do. That's my eventually, point. it won't even get an erection. Then mm-hmm. what do I do? Yeah, well, you turn to Bob Dole. He'll help you out. I don't think pineapples are going to have anything to do with this. <laughs> you remember when Bob Dole did did the ED commercials? Oh, did he for, do? For, he, must he, have been for Viagra. I didn't. I don't well, remember. But yeah. yeah. Well, I'm very. Uh, I'm. You know, I'm in the process of almost killing myself by getting rid of all these pharmaceuticals because pretty sure I've got. I'm going to have esophageal cancer by the end of the month. But I am off those pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I feel like not very good physically because of that, because I'm completely dependent on them and I'm obviously having a response. So I, I don't think that I will be taking Viagra in the future. So I will just be got it. Limp, you know, not able to perform, not be a real man. Right. Because that's what, right. This is interesting because we're, we're taught in this society unrealistically that, the measure of a man is, first of all, can you perform yep. all the time? Can you get an erection? Can you, do you have a large penis? That's another thing that's societally like, told to us. Just like women are like, do you have big breasts? Do you have a big butt or whatever is hip or cool right now? But you know, men are like, you have to have a big penis. You have to stay hard all the time. And you're going to have to take this drug that might end up killing you so you can do this. And then they have drugs that make your, you know, they sell these pumps and they sell these things that make your penis bigger. And it's like, and then there are women that are injecting this and that into their bodies and cutting this open to fill this. And it's like, we're doing that in order to, to fulfill this youth that, you know, I've seen fake boobs in person and they just, it's not like the real thing for me. It's just not, it looks kind of, it feels and looks weird. And 
you know, when you see somebody naked and they have this giant scar, you're like, God, you did that just to make this body part bigger. Well, I doubt it. I mean, I guess, I, I guess you could say that in, in a sense that's true, but, um, but I, I doubt anybody's interested in making a part of their body bigger or smaller or changing the shape of anything just for its own sake. I can't imagine why anybody would no, of course go to the I mean, it would be ridiculous for me to say that. that. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> when you look at it that way, because that's actually what, not what is happening, but part of what's happening is that this thing just became bigger, right? Like either an erection or a breast or a butt or, you know, lips, you know, muscles, or, lips or whatever to attract a mate, you know, well, or to even satisfy something inside of you that feels that I think that's, that I think I, I have to imagine, I mean, just based on my experience of, because um, I, I, um, you know, when I was to figure out where to start this story, when I was, I don't know, like fourth grade, I realized I had breasts, and this was, I was like, what, what? That's really, this is really humiliating. Yeah, because that's because I. Because that's what I learned. This is really humiliating. I mean, bef- I, I had to learn that that was humiliating to know. And um, I just took that on. I was like, wow, that's really humiliating. Well, I guess I'll spend the rest of my life trying to deal with this shit. And so when I got to, when I was 19, I had left college and I went, I moved out to, from Illinois to Los Angeles. And I so very got, superficial culture. Yeah. And I got a job that was paying me $250 a week. That's not a lot of money. Not a lot of money. <laughs> and that was, yeah. And um, even though I didn't make $250 this week, so I'm making less than that now. Yeah. I mean, my, yeah. So, um, but I, I got it in my head. I was like, hmm, you know, this is the first opportunity I've ever had in my life where I could have cosmetic surgery done and i was like hmm that's i i guess i I, maybe i should do that because that would that would really address this humiliation so i went to a a cosmetic surgeon's office in burbank i think and found out what the cost would be and what is involved and it was like you know you're gonna have a, do the you know they make these incisions and then there's gonna be you know cut away skin and cut away you know everything and uh and then bandage stuff bandage everything up and it's gonna need to be remain bandaged for god knows i don't remember anymore in a long time and you'll have scars for the rest of your life and, and i really kind of thought about it for couple of days you know yeah i mean you went to the doctor right and you had a consult so i mean obviously yeah i mean i was i was i I really considered it even after i found out all that was going to be involved Mm -hmm. and then somehow i just was like nah don't want to do that that's just don't want to do that (laughs) yeah and it's and how many people do take that 
you know, do take the well, plunge. Sure. Yeah, and, and I, they do I, that. And I, and I don't want, I, I hope that I'm not giving the message off that I think that there's something wrong with you as a person that does it. I think that it, it's not that there's something wrong with anybody that does it. I think there's a type of learned shame, even that believes that that shame is true within us, like that it didn't come from somebody outside that you could say and look at your body. Like I can look at my body naked and it's like, to me, it looks like a bag of jello covered in tattoos. And I'm like, I wish it wasn't like this. Sure. Yeah. You know? And, but I, you know, I took on a huge undertaking of pain to transform my body to fit some sort of archetype, mm -hmm. some sort of hyper-masculine archetype that I never was mm -hmm. and, and still am not. Mm -hmm. Doing hyper-masculine violent things to attain this thing that I never was. And I would imagine that the people getting the breast implants or the breast reduction or the, the butt enlargement or the lip, whatever, they must experience what I experience, which is this confusion about what I am. Yeah. And, you know, I had already been delivered the message of what I was, but I decided to, to put things over that. And, and there's nothing, you know, I don't think in getting a tattoo, there's something wrong with you, but I think, when you do anything to an extreme, you know, that, that is really painful and really, you know, psychologically and emotionally damaging, which for me it was, I don't think, I think there are people that are heavily tattooed that are not emotionally like damaged from that situation. The way I was, I was making, I was trying to make up for something. That was yeah. my experience. I don't think that I could speak on anybody's behalf on why they have so many tattoos. You know, I don't think my wife has many tattoos and I don't think she has the tattoos for the same reason I have them. Mm -hmm. So to, to see that in my own life, I would imagine that there are many people that are augmenting or reducing something for that very reason. For this, this feeling of like that there's something innately wrong with me. Yeah. You know, and I think, well, that, no, that, no, there's something <clears throat> wrong with me, and nobody can ever love me. Exactly, and I think that in our society, if you look, we have somehow dissected everything, right? Like objectified it to such a degree where we take sex and love either to be two objects together or two objects that are separate, and then. Another object called our physical appearance, and that plays a part in these other two objects that now become three objects. And the more we continue to dissect and improve upon these objects, the more we objectify our own lives, our own love, our own ability to truly connect. And I think when we truly make a connection as when we no longer objectify us or them. Yeah. Which is, which is, which is, you know, so I, I, I sent you that video um, that that woman did about her experience going to the, the pickup artist yeah. training. Yeah. And um, that, that guy who 
taught that training. Um, yeah, he's something got a, Tyler or something. Tyler, he's got these videos of they call what do they call it in infield? Is that what they call it? It's this thing, it's basically like the, you know putting into practice what like, they learn. Yeah, like a pickup so artist kind of thing. Just go out on the street and then walk up to women and then start kissing them. And um, so you can bang somebody out, and I would imagine a woman could bang out somebody too if they learn yeah, the skills about yeah. a man. But I mean, but, men still. What, what was interesting to me about it is to see the, the contrast, you know, she's talking about her experience of this training where it was very, um, really had very little to do with being a pickup artist. It was more about, uh, which I thought was cool. It, you know, it was like seeing how we're conditioned yeah, and how we use, how we allow that conditioning through, through, just trying to coddle it all the time. We allow that conditioning to make our lives miserable in so many ways. And Mm -hmm. that by really taking a look at it and starting to challenge it in some way that might offer some different experience and that might have some benefits. And I thought that was kind of cool, but then I look at his, his videos and it's all him. That's what I saw. Yeah. And, 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 um, what I, I didn't really understand that. That was the part that was confusing because she shows this clip of him kind of saying some things that I don't know if I actually agree with them, but they didn't seem as bad as what I imagined. Somebody that was selling like a picket pickup artist program kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then, then I watched some other videos where he's just being kind of like womanizing and being like, Oh, I manipulated this woman and now I'm friends with her you know, this woman and she's got a boyfriend and I, if I continue to play this card, I'll be this person for this woman and eventually I'll bang her out, you know? I know. And that, that was what I saw in that was, um, it just, it just seemed like I got an empty feeling when I was watching that Mm -hmm. because it just felt like really that you, 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 there's something here that that seems like worthwhile, you know, to to be to see your to see how you're limited by your conditioning, to mm-hmm. recognize that, and then to be willing to face the fears, to to actually like make contact with your humanity, but then to use that just to get. something so that you which is totally playing into your conditioning which is i'm not lovable i'm not lovable i'm i'm an unlovable object there's some very desirable objects i know i'm gonna i'm gonna use this shit that i've learned so that i as an unlovable object can can get something that will give me a, a this sense for just a moment that maybe i'm almost lovable but then I know. I know I'm not lovable because I've never because I'm because I'm just I'm just using these people, right? Like they're that's what you know. I, I think that that I invited that girl to be on the show because I think she has an interesting perspective, and it would it would be interesting to invite people on the show that are different than us because I think I'm willing to learn something else. But it seems like in my perspective that I'm, I'm, I feel that I'm right. That's my honest opinion is that I feel that I'm right about something. And, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to pretend that 
oh, I'm never right. I, I mean, I feel, I mean, that's why I do this, right? I have a perspective that I want to share with people and, and to pretend that I don't have a perspective and that that perspective can be more beneficial than other perspectives would be a total lie on my part. Mm-hmm. And I think that the very nature of as soon as we commoditize something, as soon as we objectify it, I see that it goes against the very nature of what is actually taking place. You know, I see no evidence of objects. I only see the evidence of objects when we're trying to commoditize or sell something to somebody else. Right. And Mm -hmm. I think that one of the things that I think um, for me, a monogamous relationship gave me, and I don't believe that everybody should be in a monogamous. I think there are certain people who shouldn't even be in relationships, you know, and, and there are many people that I know that don't. I'm like, that's probably a good thing for you, mm-hmm. you know? And what I was able to get from a monogamous relationship is that I was able to, you know, I don't know what the word would be to the opposite, opposite of objectification, but it was able for me to, to merge with a person and see our similarities and our connection instead of our separations. And through our separations, these imagined separations, that I would see more and more of our connection. Yeah. And I've been able to do that now with my partner fairly consistently, and it's, it's a beautiful thing to experience in my life. I'm so grateful for it because I thought most of my life I would feel constantly alone, even though I was surrounded by many, many people. You know, And I think monogamy gave me that, but that doesn't mean monogamy is the answer. But I think, yeah. Well, I think you, I think you, you, what you said earlier about that it's, you make, you're making that commitment, not just to another person. You're making that commitment to yourself. Mm -hmm. And that I think that's, you know, the, the, the feeling alone can't, in my experience, nobody can fill that void. If I feel alone, nobody can touch that because it's, they, they don't, it's not theirs. It's not their aloneness. They're not the ones who, because I've, because I've had many relationships with people where I felt alone. Yeah. And there was nothing that person could do. There's just no way that that person could, could. I think I will disagree with that. Well, that's fine. Yeah. You're welcome to disagree that I'm telling you how I've experienced it, which is that um, for me, ultimately, it always comes down to how willing am I to to just stop investing into that story. Because as long as I'm investing into that, what I mean by that is this there's there's something that i'm trying to protect which gives me this aloneness i become very invested in that because i say my my chest is too shameful i have to th- this is so shameful that i must protect at all costs as long as i f- if, as long as i really am invested in that then i maintain this sense of aloneness no matter what's going on, because because <clears throat> what it is that I secretly hold myself to be is this shame that I must hide, that I must protect at all costs. And so I, what I find over and over and over again is that the only way that I can 
um, say solve the aloneness problem mm -hmm. is to stop investing into that into protecting whatever I think is so shameful. I don't, I mean, maybe I'm misunderstanding what you're saying, but in my experience, I was not able to stop believing in that story. I had to kind of um, flesh out that story to an extreme, right? I had to kind of uncover it and, and really say all its ugly parts, mm -hmm. not to stop investing, but I had to completely invest into that story to really look at all its tiny little pieces and then show it not only to who I was in front of, but to myself by, by doing that gesture of this is what it's like to feel this alone and then see what is reflected back. I was able to undo some of that and it didn't get undone completely because in, you know, my second marriage, there was a part of that that I revealed, but I still didn't even have the complete arsenal of tools to completely divulge it. Mm -hmm. And I, my understanding, and you know, I hope she's not watching, but she, she made it sound like, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. You know? And I, and I was, and, and you know, after we got, we split up, we were able to say, yeah, that was a better thing. That, that made a lot more sense but I was still living this life where I hadn't completely opened up about the story of my own loneliness because mm -hmm. I was trying to ignore it or deny it. Well, that's, I think exactly what I'm saying. Well, now we're back again to agreeing. I mean, we can't do a show where we just agree all the time. I disagree with you. Thank you. Yeah. So what I was able to do in, in, it seems like in this relationship is to, to learn more about that story and to, continue to show it and show it and show it and then eventually by really knowing all its parts mm -hmm. it seems like my partner was able to say i see that i understand that i feel that way too mm -hmm. in certain aspects maybe not exactly the way i do mm -hmm. but i think we all in some unusual way and i don't know how this happens that we all have very similar stories, even though they have many, many different details and personalities and quirks and all that stuff. We're all telling each other the same story. Here mm -hmm. I am, you know, drowning in people and feeling so alone. Yeah. So and, that's yeah. how I did that is by just continuing to tell that story, not to undo it, but to say, okay, what is really at the heart of this? And the more I expressed it, the more it was not disregarded, but it would it would lose its parts without my permission. Yeah. I, I think again, I think that's more or less what I was saying is that it's it, it I wasn't suggesting getting rid of a story. I was just uh, saying to that there was an it's the investment in protecting or hiding. Ah, yeah. So the That's more you I'm reveal saying. it, then you don't yeah. protect it as much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're saying the same thing. Which, which of course, it can sound like, um, oh, you know, here, okay, great. Now here's the plan. Yeah. Just figure out what my story is, and then I'll just vomit it everywhere I go, and just you know, right. get the grocery store, and I'll say, you know, this is my secret shame, you know, and yeah, yeah, probably not going to work out. <laughs> right. It seems like this this world 
wants, you know, for that to, to be a successful mechanism to liberate us from the things that keep us in some sort of bondage, it seems that one has to, um, I don't know what the word is, maybe grace or uh, some sort of, I don't, I don't know, I don't know the word, but the way it's done, it has to be done in, in a way that, that is really true and not as an antidote to the problem, if that makes sense. <clears throat> and who knows maybe we're we're talking about something so obscure that yeah, 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 yeah. well yeah. i think it but i yeah. think it's relevant because you know to, to me the um i mean to, this is it's intimately connected with sex in my view because um i don't think i was ever able to actually and I'm not suggesting this has to be true for anybody else, but just looking back at my own life, I don't think I was ever able to actually have genuinely pleasurable sex until I was able to, willing to start to let go of protecting in that way. Because I agree. Because that was to my me, experience of it too, even though it physically for me felt pleasurable. There was some sort of pain that was happening there that I wasn't aware of. Yeah, because it, to me, it always felt like like there was um like I wasn't really making contact. You know, here here we are in physically the most intimate situation possibly possible, and yet it felt like not fully making contact. There's a like there's still some kind of that's why to me in. it felt like you were banging it out. You're doing this weird gyration for this spasm to take place in your body. And you're like, why is this not enough? Why is it only enough for that one second? Yeah. You know, you're just like, for a moment, you just stop thinking. Right. And it's like, you just have this spasm and then you're like, oh, okay. And then a few minutes later, you're back to that same empty desire in yourself. And Part of the reason that I I wanted to do a show about this is because when we started the show two years ago, so many people reached out to me about pornography. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and pornography was such a big issue. And so many people struggle with it. And it's one of those subjects that I think is uncomfortable to talk about because it is about that shame that we're hiding. We're hiding this loneliness in there. And I'm not saying if you watch pornography, you're lonely, but I'm saying, and I'm only speaking of my experiences of it. And when I talk to people, it seems that they're having similar experiences. That doesn't mean that everybody is like that. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about pornography and what pornography does for us as human beings, and it doesn't even have to be like looking at a video, right? Or an, an image we can actually, in my experience, make sex a pornographic experience as soon as we objectify somebody to gratify these pleasures in ourselves that, that end up feeling empty. I know that I have had plenty of sex where it just, it didn't, it, it might have physically felt fine, but it wasn't, it didn't, um, it didn't feel safe. Mm -hmm. 
it didn't feel mutual. It didn't feel loving or caring. It seemed like, like, like a, like an itch you had to scratch. Mm -hmm. And if anybody is struggling with pornography, I would invite them to look at it in that way. You know, like, look at it. Is it, are you getting love? Are you quelling that loneliness? Are you, are you really seeing, are you able to have any objectivity other than your subjective desires? Are you able to see what has taken place between these two people that are performing for you for that to happen? Do you or, have the understanding? <laughs> right. Or do you have the ability, because that's what happened to me. I was in the middle of watching pornography and I saw this look on a woman's face and it, and it will never leave me. She looked like really scared and terrified in a way that, and I wasn't into watching like violent pornography, but something about that, like I just caught a glimpse of something and then immediately, you know, the camera angle was switched and I just, I realized what I had gotten myself into. Mm -hmm. And I said, do we have the ability as human beings to see what's taking place? And, and I think, you know, my experiment was, and I've told my friends to do this, and a lot of them won't do it. I'm like, go watch pornography. Watch the, the thing that you love the most, ejaculate, and then immediately try to watch that same thing that you did and see if you can see something different in it. And many of them won't go to that place because they know that they're going to see something about themselves or about that person that they don't want to see, that they deny. Mm -hmm. And I think that very thing that has happened is like materialism and consumerism. It's that very nature that we're not seeing what it takes to create objects out of things and sell them to each other. You know, and I'm not just talking about food. I'm talking about iPhones, you know, motorcycles, cars, all that that takes place. But it, it's pornographic in a way. Right. And people are like, shut up. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. It's like, look at our world and tell me that there's not a pornographic aspect to it. And I'm not trying to make it like a negative. The no, I, no I, th I, I think you're right. Because if, if you could use the same, you know, you're suggesting watch the, the, vid the same video again and, and see it differently. And you could, you could take the same, um, same same idea and apply it to everything else it's like okay if you want you know you want this you want you want the tesla car you think wow yeah. need that tesla car it's yeah, so yeah. great okay but then just be willing to just take a look at really really take a look at you know go to the factory take a look at how it's built and then go to all the the parts factories and see how all the parts are built and then go to where all the raw materials are sourced and look at how those are sourced and look in the eyes of the, the people, all the people who are involved in this, all the way back to the, you know, like the, the rare earth minerals that are sourced in China. Yeah. And we won't, we won't do that because it would, it would really end the story of us. It's like, I know how hard it was to quit pornography because I had to take responsibility for my part in something. And it was just, for a long time, it was just too hard. And I've been biting my friends that struggle with pornography. I'm like, go do that. And they won't. They won't do it. They won't do it.
And and I'm sure I have blind spots in my own life where I won't do that. And so yeah, that's, right. I know. You know, and I'm not trying to chastise people for being. I mean, we all have blind spots. I know. I mean, if I have an iPhone, which I do, there's that's a huge blind spot. I have participated in the enslavement of other people, and I know that. And, yeah, and that's why I'm saying like it's easy, you know, to judge a person and say, but we all have that. I'm I'm trying to, you know, to do what I can with my blind spots. It's like pornography was a huge blind spot in my life, you know, and I hope to eventually get rid of never having to have an iPhone, mm-hmm. you know, but right now I need it for work. So I have one, but I would love to, to get rid of it. You know, I would love to just be a part of a society that, that doesn't necessarily objectify things the way it does and hurts people the way it does. But it seems like that's still part of the evolution of us. We're still doing it. And where I'm trying to make the best choices, but obviously many, many times I'm not making those choices wisely. Yeah. You know, and, and I think sex and pornography are metaphors for where we are in this world. Like they're saying, and that's what I was saying earlier is like sex is a great litmus test to where you are in your relationship with your partner. If you don't have sex, if you never look at her in the eyes, if you never have a caress that's gentle or loving, or you don't have any, I mean, that's saying so much about where you guys are at, you know, it, it says so much. And it's like, look at the way that we act in this world. You know, it's, it's sex. It's like a litmus test. How do we engage with it? Is it objectified or is it actually something that we're all in this together? Do I understand? Even as I objectify, can I, do I have a friend that can say, Hey, maybe we don't need to objectify like this. Yeah. I mean, as you're speaking then, and and notice what the, the common thread in all of this, when we, when, when we have objects, Mm-hmm. They're always at a distance, and they're always disposable. Yeah. Very true. And so, it's so ingrained into this culture now. So it's really, you know, I'd say we have we we must have way more blind spots than not. I I have to imagine yeah, I would got ninety nine percent blind spots. Yeah, because because you look at it, I mean, it's like if you don't like where you live you don't like your neighbor you don't like your spouse you don't like your kids you don't like the weather you don't like your car you don't like your phone you don't like the food you're eating you don't like whatever i mean any of it what do we do we're taught that the thing you do is well get rid of that find the solution the solution is the new object which is shinier better better happier everything and it's always that's how we're solving problems yeah, but then what, you know, I mean, it's not, it's, 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 it's both a metaphor and not a metaphor because the literal thing is you, you know, go to a landfill and you see this is, this is the outcome. Yeah, and, that's our litmus and, test. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, I, to talk about this without making it sound righteous is really challenging. You know, yeah. I hope that I'm not giving that impression, but it is something 
that maybe is the start of a conversation that we all need to have. You know, maybe I'm not doing it as gracefully and as eloquently as I should, but I think sex and pornography is happening all around us in all types of consumerism. And can we start that dialogue not to say anybody that buys something is horrible. Anybody that watches pornography is a horrible human being, right? Can we just have grace and mercy and be a friend to those people that are struggling with that type of mentality? And I guarantee you that the person that you're trying to help is going to inform you about your own self and the way you carry yourself and the way you conduct. And it's like, that's, that's, that's friendship. That's connection. That's humanity. That's life, Mm -hmm. you know, and to continue to build these walls around people, right. It's not really serving us. I know it's, I mean, it kind of, I mean, there's so many examples of it. It's like, that's all we know. Like you're Joey Lott, right? You're like a tube, a skin tube named mm-hmm. Joey Lott, and I'm a Lewis Campos skin tube. But we're never apart. We're never not here now. We're never not interconnected. Our relationships, our effects, our emotions, our thoughts, our feelings, our breath is constantly affecting each other all the time. And we continue to insist that there's so much separation because I can imagine it to be so. <laughs> the imagination is, has robbed us. Of reality. I know. I know. And and it's just like the more, I mean, I've talked about this before, mo- mobility, and we're, you know, we're, we're gearing up to move. <laughs> but, you know, we have this mobility that allows us this fantasy, which is, so, you know, the grass is always greener. It's like, done with this object on to the next one and but it's also you know there's it's hard because at the same time there sometimes you can you go somewhere else and it's better than it is where you are now <clears throat> yeah and i i'm I, again you know i mean mm-hmm. because you're, you're right it, like no matter what we say is going to end up sounding righteous but you know like let's just have compassion for like i'm just saying you know we're all we're all doing it all the time mm-hmm. so rather than saying this is this you know i'm a bad person you're a bad person let's all celebrate how bad we are it's just to, just to start to wake up from it that's all mm-hmm. yep. just to start to see it right away and, yeah but if anybody uses Facebook, they're a bad person. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And anybody that has an iPhone is a horrible human being. And if you've ever watched pornography, you should you should be put in jail. Yeah. And I and I hope that that this show also talks about, which is why I wanted to invite that girl that we watched that video on. Um, I would love to have a conversation about feminism. Mm-hmm. You know because. I mean, I don't feel that I have the right to speak on the subject, but I feel that I can contribute to a conversation about it, mm-hmm. you know, because I think once again, is, is it a system that really makes sense to continue to divide ourselves in categories and genders and roles and this and that? And I, maybe there is some sort of benefit, but I don't know. I don't see it clearly. So maybe somebody could teach me that, mm-hmm. you know, I don't see the benefit in, in to identify a group, you know, 
and 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 kind of become a part of it. I think that we can talk about the same group without becoming part of anything. If you would like to join the Masons, you just have to ask me. Just get, you can't you I, can't you have to ask me to invite you. Do I have to ask you three times? You can't you can't ask to join, but you can ask to be invited to join. So I I can't be like, hey, give me an application. No, but you can say I'd like you to ask me to join. Okay, you're making it really difficult. Do I ask or do I not ask? You you can't you can't ask to join, but you can ask to be invited to join. Can I be hey. part of the Black Lives Matter movement if I'm not black? <clears throat> I don't know, but I, I want to say something. You mentioned half jokingly about you know, anybody who uses an iPhone or Facebook should go to or watches pornography should go to jail. Um, interestingly, my experience in jail was uh, that I I really actually met some people, and that was like I felt like in that context you I felt was connected, connect, connect with some people, and I thought that was a uh, people who I would otherwise never, never, never have had that opportunity to connect with. Yeah, it's interesting in my own life. It seems like not all the time, but many times I'm a magnet for what I would consider the dispossessed or the disenfranchised people of the planet. They seem to gravitate towards me. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure why. Because I, I don't feel that way. I've never been homeless. I've never been put in prison. I mean, there was probably a couple of times that I could have gone to prison, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely, it is interesting, the connections that I've made throughout this life and all the many experiences that I've had and how they find me. Because when I look at the, the stats on me, it shouldn't read that way. It, sh it shouldn't have gone this way. So it's just interesting how life has its own trajectory and agenda. And all it's interesting, though. That I, I know what you mean. I think I know what you mean when mm -hmm. you say, you know, it shouldn't have gone this way. But it, it's interesting that we've been sold those kinds of stories <laughs> about, you know, you can, there's a profile. Yeah. You, Profile people based on my like, profile, I should be <clears throat> not, I'm I'm not that person. I shouldn't, this, these are not my experiences. I shouldn't have these experiences because yeah. I should be going to the Ivy League school and I should be, you know, whatever. I mean, it's like, yeah, my I, mom I've, always tells me, I don't know what I did wrong that you had to get all these tattoos, you know. And I was like, maybe you did everything right. I just, the, even the idea of right and wrong has become so. Uh, like obviously somebody says should we molest kids no absolutely not right mm -hmm. i think that's wrong yeah but i'm talking about in the more subtle realms of the things that carry us throughout our days where we're like i shouldn't eat meat or i should eat meat or i should do you know those kind of subtle realms i see those to be so fabricated and not holding any true value in the end it's a slippery slope, you got to admit, because when I you know, really... it's very slippery. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I know. I mean, we, we're um, it's it's more blind spots in a different sense of the uh, of blind spots, but it's also more blind spots how we can get so 
fixated on something that's just it's like what what why you know who could know this who could really figure this out but we just Uh take a stand on it and we think no this is you know and I, i i will say i had to take a stand in my own life against pornography i had to say that i wasn't it was like when i quit smoking cigarettes there was a day where i said you know I can never smoke another cigarette again because if I didn't draw that line for myself, I I would throw away packs of cigarettes, right? In the middle of the street, I would litter, literally. I would throw the pack of cigarettes. Then that night, it would be like midnight. I would get in my car and drive around and I would find the flattened out pack of cigarettes and I would kind of build them back up, kind of like squish them out. And I would smoke them again. And until I said, I'm never going to have another pack of cigarettes. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah, it's disgusting. (laughs) It's completely disgusting. And it was that very thing that I had to draw a line in my own life with Mm -hmm. pornography because, not because I was so self-righteous, because I was that person, Mm -hmm. you know? But because I knew that if I continued to do anything like that, I I was not going to get at something that seems has benefited my life. I wasn't going to to get to the heart of my pain. And and that is how I did that. Pornography was a great instrument in my life to teach me what I thought about sex, what I thought about people, what I thought about relationships, what I thought about myself. It was a great painful teacher. Yeah, it's a great, uh, the, the great thing about life, I find, from, in my experience, is it's like, it's great that all this stuff happens and that it's sort of, you can't undo it and that, you know, that none of it fits, you know, never fits the profile. The profile says everything's going to be great. Everything's just going to be wonderful. If you work then, hard, everything will be okay. And then, and then all this stuff, and it's so easy just to turn it into, boy, I really fucked up. I shouldn't have made that decision. That's mm-hmm. unfor- unforgivable. And that's that would be an interesting thing to talk about. We're, we're over time. But, yeah. um, but that would be an interesting thing to talk about is this idea of, of, of something being unforgivable. Mm-hmm. Because that's, that's also another – it's a very popular – idea that something that there are things that are unforgivable and um ties in so much with that shame yeah so i guess maybe maybe our next episode will be about forgiveness with others and with ourselves because there was definitely some times that i just couldn't forgive myself and there's still times i can't forgive myself I know because forgiveness seems to be, and what we, you know, we can talk about it more, but it just seems like forgiveness seems the popular notion of forgiveness is that, that everything's been wiped clean (laughs) right? and it doesn't seem to ever work out that way. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to be available. That's what I mean. It's so Mm -hmm. great that, that it can't be undone. You can't wipe it clean. It's just there. It's like, if you murder somebody, there it is. You can't undo that. You can. But then the amazing thing is that people are able to have forgiveness. That's incredible. That is an incredible thing. 
And maybe I'll I'll show that clip of that thing that I sent you about that guy that's in jail and that he was shown forgiven. I wonder if we could even use a part of that clip. I don't know. We'll have to look yeah, into that. Yeah. Joey, thank you as always. Thanks everybody for watching. Mm-hmm.